0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Your Intention Matters. I hope everybody's doing great. Thanks so much for freeing up the time to listen to this episode. I'm stoked for this one. I have Bill Sevilla, he is VP of Sales, coming to us from Terimo Cardiovascular in beautiful Irvine, Southern California in January. Bill, is there a better place to be in the world, nor in a normal time, than Southern California in January?
1: I don't think so, Paul. You won't get any complaints from me sitting in this chair. It's great to be with you. Pleasure.
0: You bet, man. Hey, listen, how'd I do on the name?
1: You nailed it. You did great. Crushed it, right? you're, you're ahead of things already. Fantastic.
0: All right, good. We can keep going then. Listen, to, thanks so much for being here. Do me a favor. Say hi to everybody. Provide a quick intro and then let's jump into it, man.
1: This is Bill Sevilla. i um, living in beautiful Irvine, California. I'm a Vice President of Sales for uh, North America, which is U.S., Canada, and Latin America for Terumo Cardiovascular. Um, that's me in a nutshell. Let's do this. Happy to be here. Buddy. Awesome. Married, dad, neither, both. Ooh, that's a long story, but the, uh, the cliff notes version is uh divorce, no kids. And uh, that means it's either a great place to live in Southern California or a worse place to live in Southern <laughs> California. God, <laughs> Single and no kids. Um, yeah. <laughs>
0: All right. Good, man. So, listen, uh, thanks. Uh, thanks for so much no, for freeing no. up the time here. And so, you know, Bill, as we were talking about the podcast before, we jumped on record here and we we're talking about it. And I said, you know, listen, the title is Your Intention Matters. The foundation really is, is my premise that nothing is really given to any of us. And it all starts with mindset and intention. And so with that said, I'm looking forward to hearing your story. You ready to go, Ben? I'm ready to, uh, to give it to you. Let's do it. All right. Let's get into it then. So we're going back in time here. We're going back to Tulane. All right. A BSc in psychology. When did you graduate? So
1: 1990. Uh was the 1990. My, okay. Yeah, 1990.
0: So I mean, hammer time, right? It's, <laughs> it's a beautiful time back That's in the right. day. <laughs> so talk to me about 1990 and uh, you know, your, your path of psychology and we'll go back about 31 years or so, but I'll take you back there. Uh, any memory bill of what you maybe did you have a vision at the time for what you thought you might be doing with your career? Were you just kind of like, I have no idea. What, what, what were you thinking about in terms of where you were going to go as you were ready to kind of, you know, get out there in the world?
1: You know, I wish I could tell you that I had some vision or foundation at that point that laid the, you know, that, that was the, uh, the beginning of something that, that now I'm realizing. It wasn't the case. Uh, all I knew at that point in my life was I really like psychology. I don't want to be a psychologist, but I had a notion that if I could get my arms around some of the basic tenets of psychology and just be interested enough to want to know more, that that was a good, a good enough foundation for ultimately going in the direction of either marketing or sales, or just business in general, that if I could wrap my arms around some interesting psychological elements, doesn't mean, you know, we never master anything in life, right? But I figured there was something there, there was some fruit on that tree. Uh, and so I loved it, loved sitting through the classes, reading, and I thought that could have some applicability, although I didn't know what it looked like for, for a later career somehow.
0: Now I, now, I know you have your MBA from Tulane as well. Did you uh, go right from your bachelor's to your MBA, or did you work and then get your MBA later?
1: No, I went straight through and uh, that was counter to the advice that pretty much everyone gave me at that point. They said, hey, you got to graduate. Most people graduate. They work three, four, five, six, eight years and then they go to grad school. Then you're a better student. Mm. You can add more to the class. I said, well, I love that idea, but that's going to be more expensive. Number one. Number two, I'm probably going to fall in love with working and it's going to be real hard to get back. And so I said, let me just power through this thing. So I finished It was a five year program, which included undergrad. So you basically finish your undergrad in three years. Then you go right into grad school, and I was finished, so that was great. I, I, I was able to say, "Hey, I'm an MBA," but I was I was a very uh, green MBA, knew nothing, uh, and I uh, had to learn everything from that point forward.
0: So remind me, where is Tulane located again? Is it Oklahoma? New Orleans, New, New Orleans, Orleans,
1: Louisiana, the Big okay. Easy. Uh, it's terrible during hurricane season because you usually got a base yeah. for something that's uh, you know bad weather, and it's very hot and humid. But man, they got some. It's a it's a great place to. Uh, Come of, come of your age, you know, 18, 19, 20. It's a great place to be, particularly in the mid to late 80s. Um, Is, isn't, yeah, it, uh, yeah. who, isn't it,
0: isn't who, it, who dat gold? Is that, uh, do I have that right? It's who dat,
1: who dat gonna beat them? Say it's who dat. Yeah. It's old you know, boys and uh, jambalaya <laughs> and good jazz music and just having a good time. And yeah, I chose because I grew up in Miami and I said, you know what, I wanna get out of South Florida. I love growing up in Miami, but I wanted to be far enough from the parents where I could kind of live my own life. <laughs> Um, Close enough. And, you can go back in an hour. Exactly. I can get I can get on an a plane and be there if I need to get some money from dad, and mom. Um, yeah. So that was the that.
0: So so once you were done, did you stay in the Big Easy or did you head back to Florida?
1: No, it was too hot. It was too humid, and I had a crazy girlfriend that I needed to get away from. So so I said, where else can I? Where can I start? Uh, and I actually went back to Miami. That was my first job out of grad school, it was uh, market research, uh, before I started my medical journey. uh, Gotcha.
0: Okay. And so where'd you work uh, mid nineties now?
1: So I just did a two quick two year stint in a market research company called strategy research in Miami, Florida. Um, And then it was at that point from 1992, I said, you know what, this is great, but they're not paying me anything. I was making, I think $20,000 a year. And I said, I'm not getting my money's worth out of my MBA. I'm not making anything. Um, And so that's the point where I saw an opportunity to get into the medical device business. So it wasn't until 1993, three years postgraduate school that I saw an opportunity at Cordis, and that's what started my journey in uh, medical devices. All
0: right, and so you got into medical devices. Were you in sales then, or were you in marketing?
1: I was in marketing. In fact, okay. um, all throughout uh, college and grad school, I thought marketing was going to be my career. I didn't even know I was going to get into medical. My vision at that point, if I had one, I didn't really have much. I just knew I liked psychology, but Maybe a marketing person in like a Procter & Gamble or, you know, that kind of seemed interesting and sexy at the time. Um, so that's why I started marketing. I thought it'd be the best application of that psychology degree and just kind of my general notions and interest about business. Marketing is a place to start.
0: And so you were with, did you, did you say Cortis? Cortis. Yeah, that was Cortis. Cortis. Uh, Pre-Johnson
1: okay. Johnson days, Johnson & Johnson, then acquired them a few, a few years later. But that was my first real job, as they say, right? It was a marketing, a product manager for Cordis.
0: Did you leave Cordis prior to the acquisition or were you a part of the J&J acquisition?
1: I left late 1995 to go to California, still a part of Cordis. Um, They asked me to move to California to be close to one of the OEM, original manufacturers of a device out in Fountain Valley. So my boss at the time basically said, and he was the director of sales. I was the marketing manager. He said, hey, I got an idea for you. I know you love, um, you know, Florida, but uh, what do you think about Southern California? Me and you and kind of building up this little division. I was 28 at the time and I said, let's do it. So that's what brought me to Southern California as part of Cortis, Then the J&J thing took hold and then kind of moved in a different direction. But that's what got me to Southern California.
0: Did you leave a crazy girlfriend behind in Miami as well?
1: Um, uh, I did. It was a crazy uh, <laughs> Peruvian girl. <laughs> <laughs> so more stories there than we have time or listener interest for. But yeah, I, I did. I did, Paul
0: all right so it's okay so so you head west uh you know so you go to california uh, you know the temperature is hot just like florida i mean very different i find the florida is very humid i mean my god sometimes you get out of the airport it's like a punch in the face california i find it's not as humid at least not as consistent and so yeah. was the was the move to uh southern california was it harder than you thought it would be was it easier was it what you thought it was it th- was it what you thought you wanted
1: it was great question. It was easier than I thought it would be. There was the initial kind of first month of man, what am I doing? I had my you know family and everyone in Southern Florida, but then as a you know young young adult man, you're like, okay, wait a second, let me take a look at what's out here. It's a wonderful place for business, at least at that time. Not so much now. <laughs> everyone seems to be leaving the state, but yeah. it was a great place to be. I don't think I could have chosen a better place for a young entrepreneurial kind of young marketing person to be in Southern California. Just having one's career and life kind of really kind of take off at that point.
0: So Cordis moves you out West. Did I hear you right?
1: Yep. That is correct.
0: Okay. So uh, what was behind your decision to leave after they kind of moved you out there? Was it yours? Was it
1: theirs? What happened there? It was there. So my boss basically said, look, here's an opportunity. If you want to stay with Cordis, you and me are moving to Southern California so we can be physically next to this company that we're going to launch these products with. It just makes sense for us to live and, and move to Southern California. Are you with me? and i had tremendous respect for my boss and i said you know what let's do it um so that's why we did and so wh- wh- whose decision was it to leave
0: cordis was it yours or was it theirs
1: oh so ultimately leaving Cortis, so then that division was bought by another company out in atlanta um they gave me a choice at that point do you want to move to atlanta paul i was too much in love with southern california at that point point. and yes there was a a as they say about a girl it was about a girl at that point too. <laughs> I was a crazy young guy. Um, she didn't want me to go to Atlanta. She said, are you crazy? She goes, this is paradise. Why would you leave me and uh, go to Atlanta? So um, I actually gave it, gave Atlanta a shot. I moved out there for a month, Paul. Uh, oh, and then I did. I gave it a shot. My boss thought I was going to Atlanta with him. He moved to Atlanta. Uh, ultimately it was a decision I made uh, just about being more in love with Southern California and maybe a little bit about a girl. And I said, you know what? I'm going back to California. So, um, Something about this, this town and this culture uh, had its grip on me and uh, brought me back. So
0: did you go back to California without a job and you were going to figure it out? Essentially, credit to the
1: company I was with. They said, look, we can do this short term. You can work out of your house, you know, for a while. But this is a short term thing, you know, because we wanted you in Atlantaville. And of course, I understood that. So it was about another six months. And then we separated very amicably. Okay, and where'd you go? So then I went to Baxter. So now we're at the beginning of 1998 uh, and Baxter had an opportunity and it was a marketing position again, uh, interviewed for it, thought it was perfect. And that was around the beginning of 1998. And then Baxter okay. became Edwards. Baxter's cardiovascular division spun into the entity now known as Edwards Life Sciences.
0: Gotcha, okay. And, and so did you stay on with the, with the merger and the acquisition? I did, I did. For how long? Uh, I,
1: for 13 years, ultimately, from oh, 1998 wow. I mean, it's like to like a 2011, lifetime. yeah, that was still the biggest chunk of my career. At any one place, was uh, Baxter, which became Edwards Life Sciences, 1998
0: to 2011. You know, you experienced some some pretty significant events in your time at edwards i mean september 11th was in 2001 you talked about the hurricanes with new orleans that was katrina in the mid-2000s you experienced the mortgage crisis of 2008 and 2009 how'd you navigate through that decade under the same company and were you still in southern california
1: yeah so i was in southern california all of those 13 years um you know i think the company's culture is really important you know um it's uh, very common. It's kind of, we, 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 put a lot of chips into the, the culture bag, but it's true. I don't think it can be overstated. You know, um, culture does eat everything else. Culture eats strategy. And, and when you have a great culture in a company and Edwards really does, it allows you to kind of navigate those, those things in your life. Um, had some great, great bosses. And it was really a, and still is to this day. I've got a really lot of friends at that company. Uh, culture helps you get through all those things. And that was the case back then. You know,
0: after, you know, 10 plus with the same company under a couple of different uh, logos of the same, you know, same family, you know, I worked at Xerox for about 10 years in a number of different roles. And after, you know, 10 years, almost 10 years there, you know, my decision to move on from Xerox wasn't the easiest of choices, but I did it because I had a passion for my starting my own business, getting into training and, and kind of, even though I was a trainer at Xerox, I, I had a passion to do it on my own. So that was kind of driving me. I didn't leave to go to another company. I'm always interested when you, when I'm talking to somebody who has a long history with one organization, I don't imagine, and you keep me honest here, Bill, I don't imagine that that was the easiest of choices for you after all of the relationships that you, um, that you built up. And I mean, did, did you get packaged off or did you actually choose to move on?
1: I chose to move on. It's still, to this day, the singularly most difficult career decision I've had to make. And, you know, it really is real. People talk about it being like a marriage, you know, when you're several years, more than a decade with any one company, you grow up with it and through it, you've gone through tough times. That's kind of um, strengthened the relationship as much as it's put it through trials and tribulations. And so like a marriage, it's like, wow, do I really leave this thing? Uh, Because it's hard. We are risk averse individuals in, in, in general. We don't like to look at things that pose risk in our lives. And so you get fed a lot of those stories from the company, understandably, right? It's like, hey, if you leave, come on, you've got a good situation. Why would you take the risk to do X, Y, or Z? Um, and those are well-founded discussions, right? We need to have them and um, it, was, uh, it, it really was the most difficult thing I had to decide to do, but it was of my own volition. I decided it was ultimately for a management position. That's why I left. Um, I would have had to wait many more years and go through a lot more programs and training and whatnot, which would have been fine. There's a path there, right? It's like that movie, Sliding Doors. There's probably yeah. another version of me somewhere still there at Edwards happy, right? But uh, I chose ultimately to jump so that I could move a little bit faster with, into management.
0: Were you, still, were, were you a marketing manager or, did, or had you gotten into sales at this point?
1: I, I was in sales at that point. So at Edwards, I started in marketing, and that's where this is a, a, a part of that great culture that's still there. They gave the, me the opportunity as a lifelong marketing person to jump into sales. I mean, think about that. I hadn't yeah. sold Paul. I hadn't sold a shower curtain ring to anybody. You know, I hadn't <laughs> sold anything. I hadn't sold. You know, I had zero experience sales in sales, and they placed faith in me. To it's like giving a Ferrari to to a kid that's never driven. Yeah, i never sold anything, but yet they said based on my marketing background. And the, um, we'll call it st- street cred. I had developed within the company. Say, all right, let's give this this guy a shot. And so I got into sales at Edwards, and then ultimately uh, did that for uh, almost eight years, selling, carrying the bag, before I decided, uh, let's move into management if we can.
0: So I'm curious about the move into management. And for anybody who's listening to the podcast that listens on a consistent basis, I've said this in previous podcasts that when I, you know, when when I went from salesperson to sales manager, it was it. Which I wouldn't I don't know if I would go so far as to say it was a disaster but I just was so ineffective as a manager I wasn't a bad person but I just my style was well bill this is how I did it in territory so this is how you should do it in territory which was just like a hot mess right it just wasn't good at all so um, the, the the lure of, of management was that put in your ear where did that come from
1: great question um, I think it was that I, I felt it would tap into more of the, the more the uh, special skills that I think I maybe have. Um, sales, by the way, I think is still the toughest job. The, the role of the individual salesperson is still the toughest job I've ever had, but the things maybe that I'm best at, or maybe I can best be of service, I thought were more um, in, in my wheelhouse as a leader, as opposed to someone selling uh, the products. Um, okay. And I thought I could lend some of the things that I learned uh, in helping develop a team and helping those teams then uh, build build companies.
0: And so who gave you your shot at management?
1: It was a competitor. Um, I had a lot of great people at Edwards that were ready at some point. And it's like, uh, I I would say, it's like being at Ford or General Motors. You got so many people in line waiting that were ahead of you to be in management, right? Great, talented people that have stories similar to yours, right? Mm. Um, That deservedly are ahead of you in line. And so uh, ultimately, it was either stay with Edwards, this great culture and brand, and still this giant in the space, but you have to wait a few years. Or take a shot with a competitor that's smaller, don't have the brand equity, but you can do it now. Those things that you want to do, you can probably do them right now. So a competitor essentially uh, poached me, if that's the right word.
0: And was the grass greener?
1: Um, Yes and no. I mean, uh, Mm. I I went through a lot and still do. I mean, I I look back on a lot of the things, the way I managed in the beginning, that maybe others wouldn't say it, but me looking at my own kind of history, I would have done that different, you know based on what I, how I manage now and some of the things I've learned. I jumped in very eagerly and probably did some things that I would definitely do different today. Um, sorry, I don't know if I answered your question. <laughs> no, no,
0: yeah. It's a, uh, no, of course. Um,
1: um,
0: and, so, and so what was yeah, the name of the company?
1: So it was, they were called Sorin. So they um, were an Italian-based company that made heart valves that competed with uh, Edwards. They became uh, Levanova. Levanova is a company that's still out there today. So um, Soren merged with a neuromodulation company called Cyberonics. They became Levanova around 2015. But back in 2011, it was called Sorin, an Italian company that gotcha. uh, made hard jobs. Yeah.
0: And were you able to stay in Southern California?
1: I was. I was. It nice. was fortuitous that uh, they had an opening, and one of their reps actually called me and said, hey, this is open. It may be a time to see if this is an opportunity for you. It ended up being yeah. just that. You know, Bill, if I have this
0: right, I know that you joined uh, Terumo um, about three years ago or so, but I want to chat with you about the last, call it maybe 18 months as, we, as we're recording this in early 2021. And then obviously 2020 was, unfortunately, it was just one of those years. And I don't even know if we're any further ahead, quite frankly, but it's just, it is what it is. And so I, I'm really curious about your. Um, your, your role in, in the last call it 18 months, because I know that you're VP of sales for multiple regions. You've got the U S you've got Canada, you have Latin America. And, you know, as a world, I've taken some comfort. If I have that, my wife's a nurse and we're trying to, you know, manage this whole thing, but I take a little bit of comfort in the fact that we as a world are going through all of this together. It's not, it's not one province. It's not one state. It's not one country, but it's like, we're all trying to figure this out. And so how have you managed your role uh, as a VP of sales with three different market centers that are all vastly different, uh, quite frankly, in terms of our way of life and our outlook and what's the impact of COVID on the world and, and the different regions, and then with your team and your personal life. And so how, how have you hung in the pocket in the last, call it 18 months? Because it's been pretty choppy.
1: Yeah, I think the key is being empathetic and sympathetic to the fact that this is new to everybody. And if there's been one mantra or guiding compass, it's been doing the best we can as leaders To balance execution with compassion um the numbers will follow the numbers will come and we 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 all do our best to manage the numbers and gp and all the things that we're paid to do officially but unofficially our title is leaders and being compassionate with us kind of getting through just navigating through this this dumpster fire of what was a year we just passed it but that that's hard and that um taps a lot of skills that we're still developing in life. Frankly, I mean, no one's gone through this. This is novel territory, uncharted waters. Pick, pick your your cliche. Um, yeah. But I think if we could, if there's one thing that I wanted to make sure that our teams did, it was balance execution with compassion, um, because it's really easy, particularly when uh, the numbers start to tank, as they did across the space and across industry, to get so laser focused on how do we elevate the numbers, how do we, you know, do all these things. Yes, you can and should address supply chain and customers, but ultimately it's your people. How are they feeling? How are you doing? Um, Are you okay? And it's amazing, isn't it? How the past nine or 10 months, just in the blink of an eye. Totally. Right? And so that was the one thing. It's like, I think we were talking earlier, just do one or two things, try to do one or two things well. Um, That was one of the big things, that balance Mm. with our sales team to do that over the past, you know. Year or so. You know,
0: and Bill, you can be honest with me. Nobody's listening, anyways. Canada is your favorite region, right? It's okay, you can tell me.
1: <laughs> Great hockey teams. Heck, they, they, <laughs> I love basketball. And the Toronto Raptors did something very special, still, just less than two years ago. So, seasons Absolutely. ticket holder, right here. Yep. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, so, yeah still, I'm
0: still riding the wave. I'll tell you uh, a, a quick story here. So, when the Raptors, when they won the uh, the championship, they won it in Game Six in Golden State. And, uh, you know, I, um, game five, they had a chance to clinch it in Toronto and I was torn because I had seats to get the game, obviously, as a season ticket holder. But the tickets were just absolutely insane in terms of what they were going for in the off market. So I chose to sell them. And, and, I, and uh, during the game, I'm watching with some buddies and I, I'm like, I'm almost saying I, I can't believe I thought this. I'm like, please don't win tonight. Like please, because I because I would never like, because I always said I would always take my dad to to uh-huh. a, a championship game, right? And I didn't do it, and I kicked myself, and of course they lost. Which I'm like, oh good, they lost. <laughs> but game six comes along, and they 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 win obviously in in uh, in Oakland, but game seven. Had they lost, would have been back in Toronto on Father's Day, and talk about a decision I would have had to make because wow. my dad would have never pressured me to take him to the game, of course. But it would have been one of those moments as that you just can't duplicate, right? You like right. can't, you know, right? right? So, anyways, uh, <laughs> to, you, you brought up basketball. I went on a tangent there, so one of the great dynasties yeah. of
1: all time that'll always be there for that yeah. city. Yeah.
0: yeah so, well, Bill, listen, you've had quite the ride, man. I mean, everything from you know you're you're a Florida boy, you go to New Orleans you go back to florida uh you go to california a long-standing stint in hotlanta great run there (laughs) you you go back to california and here you are you know uh trying to figure it out and so congrats on everything you've done as i always like to close the podcast with anybody that i've had on you know really what's been your foundation when you think about your life up until this point
1: Sure. So I'm going to go back if I can. I'm going to give you a movie reference, if that's all right, Paul. Um, I'm a big lover of movies and cinema. And in another life, I was maybe a screenwriter, just writing, and I I like to communicate. There's a movie called Heat, okay, 1995. And there's a great line in the movie Heat. And it's it's kind of my foundation. When that movie came out 25 years ago, I think I saw it eight times. Um, The action is the juice. And so what that means for me is there's really two or three things in our lives that we do well. Heck, it takes our whole lives to figure out what those two or three things are, right? But that's where the action is. If your life professionally and personally is focused around those one or two or three things that do, we do well, the action, right, That that and the juice that comes from whatever we are special at, that's pretty darn good. Just yeah. do those things. Have fun doing it. Hone that craft. And uh, just like the character told De Niro in that movie, because the action is the juice. Right? Yeah, <laughs> I'm in. that's right you're in i'm in too yeah yeah this has been fun paul really enjoyed it. bill it's
0: been great having you on man i really appreciate the time thanks for making it all right thank you paul you take care you're very welcome all All right, right everybody let's wrap this episode up right now again thank you very much for being here remember your intention matters because that's the result you'll tend to get we're out of here we'll do it again next week and be safe everybody